Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. For 25 years, Seth Lightman has seen it all. From the newest electric car revolution, solar power, bike lanes made in NYC, and now we are here. More electric cars, need for more renewables and eco-friendly products in our world. Well, now it's time for an all-out podcast for this time. You're listening to The Green Living Guy Show. He's funny, real, exactly on point, and some think his style is so raw, it's crazy. Let's do this, folks. It's time for The Green Living Guy Guy Show with Seth Lightman. What up, folks? Green Living Guy. We're going into summer. We got spring right now. The solar is pumping, going into the energy storage on my house. It's fantastic. I'm living net zero right now. But more importantly, we've got a great guest here, folks. And I just want to say how amazing it was to connect with this gentleman. It matters to me the work that he's doing because of the Green Design Center that he has, and he's doing the green living thing, and he's making it happen, and it makes life easy when you're talking with somebody who's on your pace. Jokingly, his name is Andrew Pace. Oh, that was (laughs) I feel terrible. Sorry, folks, for the stupid joke. But anyway, Andrew Pace. Thank you so much for joining the Green Living Guys show today. Without a doubt. Thank you, Seth. I'm really happy to be here with you. So I start off usually these kinds of podcasts with asking people, because it usually starts off with people finding their reason for their green calling, per se. It always started with something. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was one thing. I won't get into it. But for you, tell me, Andrew, how did you get? into this whole green living space to begin with? Long time ago. Well, I started working in the building industry back in 1989. And I was fresh out of school and I was working with a family business. We sell commercial construction materials. I was working as a architectural spec writer and a detailer. And a few years after I got in the business, we were working on a project in Wisconsin. We were supplying a water-based epoxy coating for a below-grade parking structure. You know, this is 1992. I thought that, I think everybody thought water-based meant safer, safer than solvent-based. We still took all the precautions we needed to. We made sure that our contractors were wearing protection. We had all the ventilation blocked so there was no dust and fumes going throughout the 16 floors of condos above this parking structure. And after the primer coat was applied, people living in the condos above started complaining about the fumes. And we just thought this was really odd because we were specifically using a water-based product so that we wouldn't have these solvent fumes. One of those phone calls came from a United States Senator's office who was in this condo. That's going to leave the mark. Exactly. So, yep, you know, bells are going off. And what really did it for us, Seth, was three of our own workers had to be rushed to the hospital because of inhalation complications. They literally couldn't breathe. 
And what we learned the hard way was a water-based coating merely means that 50% of the liquid component is water. The rest can be xylene or toluene or acetone or whatever they want to use. Use anything they want. In those, those <laughs> right. And so now this is 1992. This is back before the U.S. Green Building Council started and the yep. LEAP program was created. Yep. Yep. This is before the VOC regulations started coming out in the late 90s. So we learned the hard way that building materials can make people sick. So I started a side project from the family business selling what I call common sense, healthy building materials. And my specialty was architectural coating. So I started with paints and finishes, and then I went to flooring and some other materials. And to this day now, we've got about 7,000 materials for a home or office building that makes it a healthier space. Isn't that something? Yeah, I was just talking with another person yesterday about in a podcast I did about an organic mattress. And when I opened it up out of the plastic wrap, not smelling anything. <laughs> right. These kinds of things really matter across the board because it's not just how you power your home. It's what you breathe inside of it. It's all important, Seth. You know, of course, it's all important. And what I've learned these past 30 years is that there are three main clients that I work with, client types. The first one is, you know, a couple comes in and they say, we want to build a home, but we've got a seven-year-old with autism, or we have an elderly parent living in the home with us and they have depressed immune systems. So we've got to build a home that's completely free of toxic off-gassing. Yep. Next person walks in and says, and this actually happened to me several times, I've been on this earth for 55 years. I've been a burden to the earth for 55 years. I want to buy an existing home and completely remodel it using recycled, repurposed, and renewed materials. That's awesome, but it's not necessarily healthy. It's not the first customer. Third customer walks in and says, I want to build a home with the lowest carbon footprint. Now, out of those three clients, you can't say that any one of them is wrong in their way of looking at what green is. They're all right in their own way. So I actually created a program called Degree of Green, which allowed us to fine tune the client's desires based upon you know what they're trying to achieve. And all of those ideas of what green means to them, they're all correct, but they're all vastly different. So we can't paint them with this one broad brush of what green means. Correct. Well, there are many shades of green, as they yep. say. And But I do know about also, as I was looking at your website, about indoor air quality, and it's the need to test that. And one of the only things I'll talk about back in the day that I learned about this was when I worked for the state of New York, we were doing indoor air quality assessments with the EPA, and we went into a school district, which will now is totally LEED certified. But back then, the biggest complaint we got was that the second floor or the first floor of a third floor, you know, of a three-story academic building we're having the desks in certain areas. They'd have to clean them every day, sometimes twice a day, yeah. uh, because they would be covered in black. And then we went to the third floor and we went to the second floor of these, you know, right above those particular classrooms. And you'd lift the rug and we'd see nothing but mold. Ugh. And you'd have high cases of asthma. And this is, of course, before LEED. Right. This was before the Green Schools Program. In fact, and as I mentioned to people, 
after we did those reports, the EPA came up with the Green Schools Program. So it's essential to coordinate the lead, which is you know leadership, energy, and efficiency, and environmental design. But it's also, look, folks, as I said at the beginning here, it's not the type of en- just the energy and being you know maybe energy saving, but it's also how you breathe and what you breathe while you're in there. You got to live and sleep in those or work in those quarters. And the paints you use, the flooring you use, all of those things back in the day used to have significant toxins in them. And over time, those toxins have gone away because of the type of work that Andy is talking about here, about making uh, products green so that you can breathe better, live better, and not get sick as much from these types of products. So go ahead. You continue. I'm sorry. Well, that's all right. This is great conversation, Seth. I, I look at, again, the paint and coatings industry. That was my forte back in the day. And I still, I would say that's probably my expertise. You know, even in the industry today, most products are claiming to be low or zero VOC, which I think we all just kind of assume that means, okay, it's healthier for us. And that's actually false. What zero VOC means is it doesn't have any EPA registered chemicals that could contribute to outdoor air pollution. That's the reason why VOCs are regulated in the United States because of outdoor air pollution inside of a home, whether or not a material is a VOC or emits as a VOC does not necessarily tell us any information on how dangerous that chemical is. In order for a VOC or a volatile organic compound to do damage, it has to react with nitrogen and UV to create low-level smog. Inside of a home, that's not going to happen, all right? And then whether or not that VOC is even dangerous to a human acutely as is, that's the question. Many VOCs, matter of fact, if you peel the skin off of an orange, you're releasing somewhere around 850 grams per liter of VOCs. Doesn't mean it's going to be dangerous for you. On the flip side, if um, somebody in the household is taking nail polish off their fingernails, they're using nail polish remover, which is acetone, that coincidentally is not a VOC if it's used in paints and coatings, even though it's a highly toxic solvent to humans. Right, which can affect your your nasal passages, how you're breathing as well, your chest, depending upon how reactive somebody's um, immune system or lungs are to it, or you could be even allergic to it in some. Right. If you open up a can of acetone in an office building within 15 minutes, everybody in that office building will have detectable levels of acetone in their liver. But when you use acetone in paints and coatings, it is not deemed a VOC by the EPA. Therefore you can call your product zero VOC. And it happens all the time in the paint and coatings industry. Talk about washing. That's bad. Yes. And that's still going today, folks. And we're under the Biden administration. So I just want to make that footnote. So that still happens today, folks. And it's not about party. It's about really what's doing right versus what's continued to be wrong. So I think we all know that we can't rely on regulations when it comes to doing the right thing for for human health. Because we just have right. Like I said before, there's over 90,000 chemicals used in the production of building materials and consumer goods. And To this day, there's only been a handful of chemicals ever deemed to be outlawed in this country. 
and that's what it's part of the issue here is that these chemicals still exist and are still used. They're used in adhesives, in flooring, in mm-hmm. paint, and all the types of products of which are on your website. So let's talk about your website and what your offerings are to people sure. and how you can get to it and how essential these types of products are when you're talking about remodeling, building, or just touching up a home, really. Sure. So our website, which is thegreendesigncenter.com, we've been around, like I said, since the early 90s. And what I've been able to do in my career is curate this collection of materials and manufacturers that I have either personally tested or I have you know, over 30,000 customers that I've worked with over the years who are deemed to be chemically sensitive. And through their anecdotal response back to us on what works, what doesn't work, these are the products that I know is generally accepted by the most sensitive people in this country or beyond, and therefore should be healthier for everybody. It's not a definitive list of what's available. It's just, this is what I know works and can say unequivocally are the healthiest materials that we've been able to find. Now, if you look at the average home or apartment that somebody's living in, 90% of the toxicity issues inside of that space will come from the things you see and touch on a daily basis. You know, we spend an awful lot of time talking about building design and high performance buildings and energy efficiency and so forth. But quite honestly, when it comes to human health concerns, the problems occur from 90% from the things you see and touch on a daily basis, starting with your flooring. That's usually the biggest offender in anybody's home, painted surfaces, your walls, your ceilings, cabinetry and woodwork, even though there's not a lot of it in a home, it's a very concentrated situation of typically formaldehyde. And then the fourth would be your own personal furnishings, your, your furniture, your window treatments, clothing, et cetera. Beyond that would be more environmental concern would be your moisture levels in the home, proper airflow. So we're looking at air purification, water purification, and the like. And so that last 10% that we worry about from a toxicity standpoint from materials would be things behind the walls, insulation, caulking, sealants, vapor barriers, even the drywall itself and the sheathing and so forth. And while it doesn't account a big amount in the toxicity realm, it's because you only have one shot at it. If you're building a home, you want to just choose wisely. So we do spend quite a bit of time talking about that when I consult. Now, I consult on new home projects and remodeling projects literally all over the world. And it's amazing how whether I'm talking to somebody in Eagle, Idaho, or I'm talking to somebody in Spain, everybody wants the same thing. They want to live in a healthy house. They want to live in a healthy apartment. They just want to live in a healthier space. Energy efficiency is wonderful. Global environmental concerns about sustainability and rapid renewable resources, those are all fantastic. But I think the common goal with everybody I've ever talked to is it's got to be the healthiest space possible because of my own personal health. So what percentage of people are coming to you, if you were to try and figure out, come to you based upon allergies or skin-based allergies or even breathing allergies or any form of an allergic reaction to something that has gone on in their home? That's a really good question because it has changed considerably over the years. 
the first 10 years in business, 95% of my clients were people with severe sensitivities, whether it was a chemical sensitivity, somebody with Lyme's disease, and they have no immune system left, and they have to use materials that are safer. But over the years, I think throughout the 2000s, early 2000s to about 2010, when the recession hit, people were looking at green from a standpoint of energy efficiency and global environmental concerns. And so my customer base went down to maybe 50% that were looking specifically for health issue related issues because of their own sensitivities. Now, because of the pandemic, that number is flipped again. I think most people are coming to me saying, you know, I never had a sensitivity before, but now that I'm spending more time at home, I notice this, you know, or I've read about that. And I just want to make sure that my kids are at home more often now. We're all here together. It's got to be a healthier space for us. And so it's really interesting now, the pandemic, how horrible it's been around the world. It's actually leading to people being much more aware of their surroundings. So tell me some of the things that you consult on for people so people can get an idea of the breadth of knowledge that you have across the board if they were considering you. Certainly. Most of my customers that I consult with are people just looking to get simple questions answered, whether it's I'm looking for a choice of flooring material, I'm looking for a choice of we're, we're, we're re-insulating the attic, can you help me choose an insulation that's going to be not only efficient, but also safe for us? All the way to clients who are designing custom homes, and we are literally starting from the ground up, and I will consult on concrete styles, vapor barriers, waterproofing methods, framing methods, whether it's traditional stick framing, SIPs, ICF, block, and then all the way to the finishes inside of the home. So. You know, I work with homeowners, architects, builders, and then all of them together to make sure that we're all on the same page. We're all looking for that same goal at the end, which is to build the client the healthiest home possible. Now, one of the things that does come up in this equation uh, to me a lot, and it just even came up recently in a call actually today, price versus savings. These types of things, I guess, have a little bit more of a premium maybe. So give me an idea of the types of upfront costs versus savings that somebody can expect with these types of products that you're referring to. Right. So obviously when you're dealing with the question of energy efficiency, cost savings come to mind, you know, going with better insulation, better windows can all lead to a lower energy costs, lower energy bills. When you're talking about from a human health standpoint, generally we're looking at it's not necessarily the fact that healthier materials cost more. If you compare apples to apples, quality level to quality level, a healthy home or healthy materials shouldn't cost any more than what you're using. The reason why healthier building materials generally are deemed to be more expensive is if the builder that you're working with is normally using low to mid-grade materials, well, then healthy materials are going to cost a little more because most healthy materials are of better quality than just the average product. Now, if you're comparing apples to apples and you're looking at using good quality materials, so good quality flooring, good quality paints and finishes, name brand insulation and HVAC systems and air purification and so forth, the recommendations that we would have wouldn't cost a dollar more. And then the savings comes in, though, because you're buying high quality. The savings comes in later on down the road in longevity, 
durability, not having to change things out on a regular basis. And then the unknown, which is how much healthier will people be living in that home? And how many doctor's trips can we avoid? You know, how many health-related incidents can we avoid? Because we are now living in a home that is not affecting our health negatively on a regular basis. As a matter of fact, it may help on the healing side and it's cutting down on unneeded medical visits. Okay, so let's dive down into the two aspects. Some of the products that you talked about at the beginning, you said have a longer longevity. Right. Now, that might not sometimes be the case with certain energy efficient products, but in building materials, I'm assuming from what you're saying that some of the building materials might cost a little bit more, but last you a lot longer. Is that what I'm getting at? Right. So let's just look at construction method, the framing system. I really like using insulated concrete form as a construction method for a home. You know, concrete's been around a long time, so is wood construction. But when you think of some of the oldest buildings in the world, they're all built with concrete. They're not built with wood. And the Coliseum is over 2,000 years old, still standing today. You know, the oldest wood structure in the United States was built in the 1600s. So we, we use wood here because it's prevalent in North America. And we've mastered the art of construction using wood framing. However, from a longevity standpoint, from a mold standpoint, human health standpoint, not the best material to use. So I really advocate for the use of insulated right. concrete form. So tell me about concrete, because I know there's a lot of talk lately about concrete and its emissions. What types of concrete are you using that don't create those emissions that you hear about with concrete nowadays? Yeah, I mean, the two biggest issues with concrete, from what I see, is the fact that concrete is extremely high in energy consumption and the manufacture and the distribution of it. From a carbon footprint standpoint, it's way up there. And right. so that's why the building industry is looked at as the most inefficient industry in the world because of concrete. Again, I'm making most of my choices on human health and longevity, so I try to factor that. The other thing is, several years ago, it was an environmentally friendly thing to do to use recycled contents, and it still is, of course, but sometimes we don't look at the, the downsides of what we're doing. The unintended consequence of using fly ash in concrete is that, you know, if you don't know what fly ash is, fly ash is the sludge that's scraped from the smokestacks of coal-fired energy plants. And the concrete industry said, we can use that stuff. We don't have to put it in a landfill. We can actually use it in concrete because it makes a really good admixture for concrete to add strength and to make the cost a little less expensive. Well, when you burn coal, you're actually exposing mercury. And so fly ash in right, concrete right. can actually cause elevated mercury levels in homes, and that can last for decades. So we have to make sure that when we're specifying concrete for a project, that we're specifying no fly ash as for my chemically sensitive clients. But a lot of people, I would assume, be, would be you know toxic or create toxicity inside of them from the mercury. Yes, some people are just more susceptible to it because they already have heavy metal poisoning. Yeah, and so we just got to be a little more concerned. Now, of course, there are ways around this, but it really depends on the project. And so whether we're using concrete sealers or other types of floor materials that keep it at bay. But these are all the types of concerns that it's not to scare people. It's just to say that we've looked this deep into things that we realize that there are healthier ways to build. Yeah, I agree with that. Also, 
the products that we use to clean in our homes and things Mm -hmm. like that. Tell me about the products that you've chosen to sell that help with the continual cleaning of a home. Because a lot of the times people might make a home energy efficient or non-toxic, but then they forget, you know, over time, then they come in and they use toxic chemicals to clean. (laughs) Right. Well, and that's really, Seth, that's something that we've seen for decades now, even with the LEED program. You design and build this incredibly energy efficient green building. And as soon as people move into it, you know, people are always the issue, right? Because they want comfort. They want convenience. You know, in a lead building, if you crack a window, you probably just screwed up all the energy calculations. So, you know, you've ruined the sustainability factor. In a residential home, you build it nice and healthy, but then you go ahead and start using Fantastic and 409 and Simple Green and all these odiferous chemically laden cleaners, you know, the bigger issue I would say would be choosing materials during the design phase that we understand don't require the use of any chemically laden cleaners to maintain. And so instead of going with carpeting, we're going with hard surfaces that can be dust mopped with, you know, a little bit of soap and water and a microfiber cloth going with countertops that don't require solvent-based sealers on a regular basis to keep it from staining like granite does. Choosing other finishes that are just easy to maintain with soap and water, and we don't need toxic chemicals. We work with a product called AFM All-Purpose Cleaner, and it's literally a concentrate that you mix with water anywhere from one-to-one with water up to 20 parts water to one parts cleaner. And you can clean any surface of the home with it, and it doesn't leave a residue. A lot you know, of- that's funny. I just had a podcast that I'm about to launch. It hasn't even launched yet. That's how one step ahead you are. That uh, <laughs> we were talking about certain cleaners that are out there that are concentrate mm-hmm. that you just then add water to. So when you buy it, it's already like this heavy-duty thing. And when you mix the water in it, it helps to dilute it. So right. there are these types of products out there, folks. Andy's got them. He's got them. I got them. And honestly, it's, if you think about it, it's all about marketing. You know, everybody wants to have a product for a specific job. You know, here's a product to clean my counters. Here's a product to clean my cabinets. This is a product to clean the bathroom. You don't need different materials for different areas. The same product works everywhere, maybe in different concentration. And because it comes in a concentrate and it's not ready to use, you're also saving on your cost, your shipping. You talk about, you know, carbon footprint and embodied energy to ship a gallon of concentrate versus 20 gallons of a ready to use. That's a massive change. It is. It it totally reduces because we were talking about trucking in one situation and Mm. how trucking these things. And sometimes, as you said, like with paints, there's sometimes half water. Right. Which is a heavy substance to ship based on size. Right. So. Listen, folks, concentrate is definitely the way to go, and it's getting more and more prevalent. But let me ask you this, because I just want to be fair in one aspect. If somebody were to hypothetically get a house, or they moved into a house, right, that has granite on it, okay, Mm -hmm. and they wanted to use an eco-friendly cleaner, what are some of the things they could do to do that? Because I want to get the typical home out there, how they can be green right off the bat after this podcast. So I'm really trying to help as many people go green in every conversation that we have. 
right? Quite honestly, that AFM product, their, their all-purpose cleaner will work for granite. It's just, you know, it'll work for just about any surface in the home. The difference is with natural stone surfaces like granite, they will stain very easy, which is why they recommend sealing the stone every six to 12 months. Those sealers are typically silicone-based and they have to penetrate into the stone by use of solvent. And so for somebody who is sensitive, the stone itself is perfectly fine, but the sealers that are used can be a little dangerous. So if you can live with a little bit of staining or a little bit of patina, as it's called, then don't seal them. That's fine too. You know, things don't have Funny to enough, look perfect to work perfect. Yeah, I'll just mention that my countertops are granite. You know, we moved into it and we haven't stained it once. Excellent. And we're living now here. Wow. Time flies. <laughs> At least 15 plus years. So, you know, and it's counting. Fabulous. I don't look at my countertops and say, man, I better get some thing to stain it. It really just doesn't jump out at me. Right. So I guess one green thing, you know, I always say one small step at a time. So one green thing that you can do, folks, is if you've got a countertop that's granite, don't try to reseal it. Right. Clean it. Yeah. You know, clean it. Keep that echo shine there. Get some echo friendly product to clean it. But don't stain it. You don't have to do that. Yeah. Come on. You don't need to seal it, honestly. I mean, you need to seal it if you have like a bright white and it's a very soft stone. But, you know, it's one of those trade-off things that we have to um, talk about when we're in the process of either helping to build or remodel. And for the most part, we want convenience, right? And we want things to look good and last long. And sometimes you have to understand that. So you spill red wine in your countertop, maybe you get a small stain but so what? It's patina. It's a story to tell people. And at the end of the day, the countertop will still work just fine. Well, we lucked out, thank goodness, in the sense that ours are predominantly really dark to black. There you go. Yep. <laughs> if it stains, <laughs> nobody will know. Like, we're never really going to see that thing. You know, it's kind of like, oh, there's a stain there. Thanks. It looks like an artistic moment there. But no, realistically, folks, you don't have to go out and stain your products like that. That's one thing. Of course, when you build, try and build as green as possible using the products Andy is talking about here that he has on his website. I think that's important. I see you also have a, your own podcast. Do you want to tell people about oh. that as well? Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I have a podcast called Non-Toxic Environments. Three words. We've got about 150 episodes out there. We've been doing it for about four years now. It's myself and then a good friend of mine out in California named Jay Watts. Jay is actually the vice president and marketing manager of AFM, this, the paint line and cleaner line that we've been working with all these years. And so it's just like this, Seth. It's very conversational. We talk about uh, daily events or monthly events. We talk about questions that come up through email from clients. You know, again, Jay and I both work with people who have some really serious health issues. And we also work with folks who are just, they don't want to become unhealthy because of their environment. So they're looking for some tips and tricks to make things better. And it's a fun way for us to get their information out to the world. And it's amazing since starting the podcast, how many people around the world have reached out again to say, I wish this information was available when I built my home five years ago or whatever the case is. And uh, so we're, we're still trying to educate the world. That's for sure. Trying to do 
our part, our little part of what you're doing. So talking about even educating, here's a question that I had as I was looking through your products and thinking about things and trying to show also how green can have a savings to it too, even if there is that upfront and there might not be that opportunity that you think is there for other savings. But tell me, is there a home or are there home lead tax credits or are they just for buildings predominantly at this point? Yeah, from what I understand, Seth, most of those tax credits that are that were out there for energy savings are pretty much now kind of cooked in at this point with most builders. You know, most builders will say, oh yeah, well, we've got these Energy Star appliances or we use Energy Star HVAC systems. And so it's kind of cooked into the pricing you get. There really isn't anything else out there. And there certainly is nothing from a healthy standpoint. You know, anything that's out there is going to be energy related. And I can certainly see that. But uh, from a health standpoint, no, nothing at all. Now, the reason I ask is because there's like in New York State, there's a green building tax credit. I didn't know whether it included lead standards of environmental design as well, because there should definitely be some. And if not, then I'm putting it out there in the <laughs> universe right now. Right. Some, when I put things out there, they kind of seem to gain steam. And I'll give you one example was I remember years ago doing a podcast with somebody and they said to me, what's the number one thing that you think that we should be talking about more in the world of green that isn't talked about? And it was spring, it was around this time, you know, my the allergies were perking up or whatever. I said, when you go to the Home Depot or you go to buy something green, please tell them to stop selling Roundup. And, <laughs> and then Roundup became this whole thing, Monsanto, you know, the whole thing that went down on Monsanto and then with right. the Bayer and this and that. So it's like, that was that. So here, um, I'm looking to try and understand and put out in the universe why there aren't environmental tax credits for utilizing energy, not just energy efficient products, but environmentally sensitive products as well, if we're trying to spur a marketplace. It's a hot button issue, but I think it's a hot button issue, both good and bad. And, you know, one thing that I have learned over my 30 plus years of doing this yeah, is that, you know, you had mentioned it before. It doesn't matter who's in power. It doesn't matter which political party is leading the charge. Healthy homes is not a left issue. It's not a right issue. It should be in front. It should be leading. It's everybody's issue. Yeah. And if we rely, if we wait to rely on our government to start to regulate us into shape, we're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah. And again, just look at the VOC regulations and what that has done. Mm-hmm. The VOC regulations from the mid-90s, all that has done is allowed manufacturers to use unregulated chemicals and not tell us. There's always going to be a downside to the upside. There's always going to be unintended consequences for what they think they're doing is the right thing. You know, take telling people they can't use, you know, years ago when the first incandescent bulb law was put into place... And we ought to use compact fluorescence. Well, they found out the hard way that when you drop a compact fluorescent on a carpeted surface, you'll yep. never get the mercury out of the carpet. So you got to throw away, you know, potentially thousands of dollars worth of carpet because of a $4 bulb to and save know, $2 in energy. It makes funny. no sense. When I heard about that, I heard about it from a colleague of mine when I was partnered with a firm and they sent me an email saying, we can't sell these anymore. No. 
right? So that's why I went all in on LED, writing the book Green Lighting with McGraw-Hill, and really have been pushing that, and nowadays pushing OLED, also organic light-emitting diodes. Mm -hmm. So I feel terrible every time I think about it. For Paul Rudd, and uh, I don't remember who did it, but in the the movie The 40-Year-Old Virgin, when they were fighting, pretending to use lightsabers, use T8s, which are fluorescent lighted mercury, (laughs) <laughs> they probably got so much mercury poisoning and they didn't even realize it or they did. Uh, you know, these are realities, folks. The technology right. that we use or the products that we use, we have to stay in front of it. If we can't afford to do it, maybe because of cost, we still need to go to the store and demand that it comes there. And we, you know, vote, as they say, folks, you know, and we're talking about regulation here. Well, you can make more of an impact with voting with your dollar. Exactly right. In my community, and I'll just give one example to this too, there was this new drugstore that opened up and they were you know, selling a lot of different things. But one thing they were selling were cleaning products. And because of me and a few other people in the community, they literally created a section for green cleaning products. Okay. If we had tried to, Andy's talking about here, demand a regulation of it, I'd still probably be doing that right now. Right. But by creating and insisting upon a business to include that in my shopping experience with them, if they wanted me to come back there (laughs) and buy their product, right? You know, Mm -hmm. we've got to be insisting on things and also cost-effective things that, or it might, you know, initially be a little bit more costly but the more people that then buy it right. drives down costs because right. supply and demand. It literally is that basic economic thing, folks. And over time, guess what happened? Their product line was more cost-effective in certain cases than even going to the supermarket to buy it. A drugstore, just <laughs> because they were buying in volume, more volume than somebody else, which is because people bought it more from them. And they want to buy it from somebody else. So it really is up to us, that concept of, you know, one small step at a time, but let's all do it together. I'm just one guy, one green living guy. Andy is just one person selling these products. But if we all start buying them, it drops down costs and provides better quality, more energy efficient and environmentally friendly living experiences which we do every day and you know with lockdowns for this or something for that we're in our homes more nowadays with remote working and learning even if somebody chooses an education that they do remote because they got two jobs or this and that and they can only do it via tele right or by Mm -hmm. internet we live in our homes more folks so we need to make it as easy to breathe live be healthy, happy, which also is, you know, the quality, the chemicals in our products do and can affect your mental health as well. The breathing in your home, make sure you have carbon monoxide detectors that are working regularly and checking the batteries because carbon monoxide could affect your health. I know somebody younger than me that is going through some very hard times because when they were a kid, parents didn't have carbon monoxide detectors mm-hmm. in an impoverished area. So you really need to learn that going green 
and that's a message for today, folks. Going green, and I've always mentioned this on my blog, greenlivingguy.com, is not just about energy efficiency, but it's about breathing. It's about our skin, our bodies, taking care of ourselves. And if you're in your home more and you're bicycling, right, or you're doing the treadmill in an area that is heavily using toxic solvents to clean it or whatever, <laughs> it's almost like, uh, did we miss something here, folks? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One negates the other, you know, that whole thing. You need to take care of yourselves, especially as times are the way they are nowadays, you know, with sickness and COVID and other things coming out and other diseases. You got to take care of yourself. And going green and keeping things simple and green, as they say, or keeping things whatever, is about taking care of yourself from a wallet standpoint, what we emit into the air, as well as what we emit into our homes. You know, power plants can or cannot be emission-free. You can have hydro. It has those effects, you know, with displacing water or whatever. Or you can have solar, or you can have wind. You can have small-scale wind. You can have a little couple of turbines on your house that imaginably power your home. I just drove through Western New York and seeing these mega wind turbines. Each, what is it? They say sometimes each one of those puppies generates about nine megawatts of power. Because if you stand by wind turbines, there's no emissions, right? There's no, it affects the air we breathe. And, you know, with cars, I always talk about with electric cars. One of the reasons I loved it so much was when I went one time down to the city before I really started taking care of my asthma, we were walking around in the Harlem area before there were hybrid electric transit buses and the emissions and the diesel coming off these transit buses was atrocious the closer we got to the MTA bus depot. And nowadays, you know, everything's becoming hybrid, ultra-efficient, or now we're looking at going electric. It's not just energy savings, folks. It's so people can walk around streets and not have to breathe in toxins. Metropolitan areas, folks, are what? Clusters for sickness. You think it doesn't have something to do with the air that we breathe? And not just the air that we breathe outside, but then what if you're coupling it with toxic chemicals in your home? That's the one-two punch. That's like a boxer. One-two, you know? It's like, it's going to knock you out, right? It's going to knock mm -hmm. you down. And there are only so many times you can get up without taking care of yourself, protecting yourself. And that's what you're offering at your website. You're offering people products for choices of things that they could use in their life that will not affect their body, their whole body, not just the temple that they live in as a body, but, you know, the body that we live in on ourselves and the toxins that are there or not. It's essential that we start to think about going green in the world that we live today. I mean, you must have gotten it, as you said, more, you said it jumped back up mm -hmm. the amount of people buying product because they lived in their homes more. Well, it's a common sense issue. And I like to say that common sense is not very common these days, but you know, it's starting to turn Internet back. Says what? I'm sorry. <laughs> common sense is not very common <laughs> these days, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. And I said, what? Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fact is, though, that 
when people are forced into whatever environment they're forced into, they have to start thinking about these things from a common sense standpoint. And nobody wants to work in a unhealthy place of business. Nobody wants to live in an unhealthy home. We need to realize that our homes are our sanctuaries. We spend all day long talking with people, working with people, inundated with chemicals from all other aspects of life. We want to get home to a house that's going to help us heal. And, you know, most importantly, the bedroom's got to be the healthiest room in the house because we're spending six to eight hours a night, hopefully, in that space and breathing that air. That's got to be the healthiest room in the house. But people are finally realizing this because of the pandemic, because of learning about other people's bad lot in life because they have immune system disorders, whatever the case is, and they're learning that they just don't want to get that way. And maybe we need to take charge of our own environments and make choices based upon how it's going to affect us, not necessarily on how it's going to make us look to the neighbors and, you know, what can I tell my friends what we're doing in the home, that we're doing something that's healthy for us. I know some people have that thing of like, oh, it's keeping up. No. I put solar energy storage in my house, not to be first, not to be, but I did it because A, it was a great offer from Tesla, but B, because I was tired of freaking paying Con Ed so much money. Yes. Uh, you know, I live in Westchester County in New York. Uh, no, uh, done. It was killing my budget. Right. And I had two kids going to college right around the time you know, getting to go into college. No, no, I'm done. I'm done paying you, Con Ed. This isn't about you. This isn't about your quarterly dividends. This is about me living here and doing it the most affordably as possible. So my spring to fall, folks, are as cost-effective as possible to the point where when they issue me a bill in the winter, I can pay whatever I want and Con Ed doesn't come at me or call collections or anything. They don't do that (laughs) because... They know, as you would say, it's like a wash. Mm. So as one friend of mine told me when I told him this story, he goes, man, you're doing them just a service paying them during the winter (laughs) because you don't have to. You know, you're just keeping the cash flow going for them. Please, you don't have to. Because right now, and I'm working more and more to become electric heat, but, you know, my natural gas kicks in right now and I'm not proud of it. I want to be more efficient. So, you know, I'm one of those imperfect environmentalists as well, but I'm doing the best I can. The winter and natural gas prices with the Ukraine and everything like that went up. Gratefully with the solar, I still paid less than most people in the community. Okay. But when I get my bill, there still is a bill and then I pay it. And now from spring to fall, I'm going to be living pretty. I'll be living electric. Mm -hmm. And my solar and my energy storage totally helped me. Uh, Totally, totally helped me. And now that I'm working on another thing and I'm bringing up, and where I'm going with this is I have to redo part of my basement. Mm -hmm. Well, the products that I use here, because there was one time when we used to just use anything, I'm careful that it says non-toxic. I'm also careful when it says low VOC, what the hell that means. Mm -hmm. What cleaning products I'm encouraging more of my home. Washing, you know, detergents. 
I think it comes down to asking, first of all, finding companies, and we hope we're the one of those companies that are trustworthy, that have been doing this for a long time, have, you know, we've got, uh, like I said, I've worked with over 30,000 chemically sensitive individuals in my career, not including those who aren't. And, Let's but, say that again. We say that again for the record. Let's say it again. Sure. In my that career, I have worked with over <laughs> 30,000 chemically sensitive individuals, people who actually have been diagnosed with or maybe self-diagnosed as chemically sensitive. And those are folks who I've helped to build a remodel or just live in a, in a healthier home. Then there's the clients that we have off the website that I never get a chance to meet. Unfortunately, I like to talk to everybody that we deal with just because I'm always trying to learn myself how we can help others. So the, the fact is that we have put together, I have put together this curated collection of healthier materials that I know works for vast majority of people who've ever tried. And so what you have to do is find somebody you can trust, a company you can trust, and ask those questions. You know, if a label says zero VOC or low VOC, ask the question to the whoever's selling the product, well, what does that mean for me? Don't just assume that means it's healthy. What does that mean? And listen to the response you get. I hired a marketing company years ago to interview paint companies around the country, paint retailers, and ask the question, do you sell less toxic or non-toxic paints? The results were staggering. 90% of the paint stores in the country said that, well, we sell water-based, so that means it's safe. Well, the story I told you when we first started talking, Seth, the reason I got in business, people getting sick from water-based, and yet these myths are still perpetuated because it's convenient just to say that and just to that's assume right. it. That's right. That's right. And let me go even further. And I mentioned a story I just posted. Now, granted, they've been very formidable and friendly with me and everything of the nature. Mm-hmm. But the Home Depot, when they talk about FSC certified, well, do you know what FSC pre- <laughs> FSC certified still means that if they cut down the tree and they plant something in return, I've looked at some FSC forests Mm -hmm. and they're not as rich and bountiful and full as the tree that was before. So folks, we really need to be smarter than the politicians and the companies out there and Mm -hmm. making those statements because that again now, and why am I saying this? Because trees that they cut and then they put down, right, back in return. And you look at those forests, it's not as much capturing emissions because those trees capture bad things and they store it in the leaves, right? That affects our breathing. It's really simple that while we push the envelope, the companies sometimes push back with their own little loopholes that still are affecting our breathing. And we really need to be not just smart, again, as we're talking about here in the home energy, but the quality of the products and how we breathe it, but also what they're selling us and how they're trying to remake of something. Again, as Andy has said here, folks, some of the non-VOC paints are still bad for you. Some of the things that, you know, and they call that, and I have to say it, I have to, because nobody else will. I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere, folks. Okay. We live in a country where I can say this. They're greenwashing. Thought it out. They're greenwashing. And we need to constantly push back 
I remember one time, and I'll joke around when they said, <laughs> I think it was Pepsi was saying, and we're phasing out, phasing out of using palm oil. <laughs> and I responded back on Facebook saying, can you hurry it up? Because you're still <laughs> doing damage. Yep. Right? Because, yep. you know, well, can you hurry up your timelines? Like, literally, you need to push back. Because the statements that they sometimes make are still in the Wolf of Wall Street with, from Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Pixie dust. You know, Fugazi. <laughs> you know, Fugazi, Fugazi. Okay? Yep. They're fake. They're not real. And right. the, who's helping make it that way but the politicians themselves? Right. With the loopholes that they allow. Because the lobbyists come in and say, well, if you're going to make this law, could you do this too for me? Because that's what happens, life. It happens all the time in how we deal in life. Don't expect it not to happen in politics and in the way that things are built or made. And you got to constantly push back to make things better for us. We're all not going to go to Mars. We all are going to live here. Okay. So we got to make it the best we can. And as you said too, and I said, our home is our temple. What we come home to, it's where we sleep, it's where we eat, it's where we pray, it's where we do things. So we need to take care of our home because it's what we've got. Even if it's an apartment, even if it's an apartment or a co-op or whatever, you need to take care of it and provide yourself with the best products and the best services, meaning you know what you clean with or who you work with or whatever, but also the types of things that we put down on the ground in our home, the flooring that we use, the cleaning products we use to clean our walls in our home, everything, everything needs to go green. And I know that I always say one small step at a time, but today's one small step at a time, folks, is going to Andy's website, and we're going to have him say it again. <laughs> but I want you to start really thinking now. I'm going to push this. It's 2022. You know, they always say, this is the year. Enough of this nonsense. We're going to do the, you know, get that whole thing on Instagram, right? So today, we're going to push a little bit further with y'all. But I know we can do this. Go to Andy's website and look at the products he's offering and consider it when you're cleaning, rebuilding, or doing a home. So today's one small, small step also is Andy Pace, Andrew Pace. Go check him out on the internet on I would assume Instagram, Twitter, or whatever he is, but we're going to let him have the last word on this, right? I'm not just going to leave you out there. I wouldn't do that. We don't do that here with the Green Living Guy Show. If anybody, I know other people do that, but we're not doing that here. But <laughs> I want people to go there because I want people to not just think about going green in energy efficiency and solar and cars. I know I talk about it so much because they call me an electric car expert and green living guru, but today, green living is about being holistic in the way that you look at your green life. So Andy, thank you, thank you. But wrap up, if you could, by telling people about where, again, they can reach you to not just buy your products, but consult with you also about what they're doing in their sure. life. Thank you, Seth. I appreciate it. And I just have to say what a wonderful, and I hate to use the term breath of fresh air this has been, but it really has been, you know, I love having conversations with people who just have a different way of looking at things. And, and you have to be able to wrap all this together in your life in order to make it a healthy and fruitful life. 
my website is www.thegreendesigncenter.com. From there, yes, we have products to purchase, but from there, you can listen to my podcast, Non-Toxic Environments. You can also listen to that show on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts these days. You can also link to my consulting. I book appointments anywhere from 15 minutes up to an hour. And I would say probably 75% of every day I'm on the phone with clients all over the world, uh, whether it's a phone call or a Zoom or a Skype with people in different countries. I also offer packages if you're doing a whole house project. And so that way we can get the costs down a little bit for all the consulting. But it's my goal to help you create your healthy home. And let me just state this point, Seth. You know, in energy efficiency, when you look at LEED and other programs that are out there, there's always metrics to measure whether something is actually energy efficient or not. With a healthy home, and this is where the industry needs to really do some research, right now- Which is why I suggested I'm going to put it out there in the sphere in the world. Yes, I appreciate it. To put it out in the universe that the products that you're selling are going to become more and more cognizant in people's consciousness and also more in tune with how we are working to bring these products to light and market. Yes. And I think that what's healthy for your home and healthy for my home, everybody's threshold of chemical load is different, which is why we offer a lot of materials and we offer then assistance with choosing the right product because There is no metric to tell us what it means to have a healthy home versus an unhealthy home. Everybody's threshold is different. And so we have to make sure that we're choosing not only for their aesthetic and their budget, but also their health and the chemical load. So if there's any questions that people have, please, I encourage to reach out via email. My email is on the website. But again, Seth, I I really appreciate the time today and, and your way of looking into this. Oh, my pleasure. It's what I do every day. I've been doing this for a while. I started podcasts back even in, uh, what was it, 2010, Mm. first podcast. So I've been grateful to continue to do this. Yes, this is one site where the Green Living Guy show by Seth Lightman is one, but I also started off on Blog Talk Radio. So a lot of my interviews started in 2010, and I have on Blog Talk from 2010 until about 2020. And then I went with this new podcast. And so I'm doing like what Howard Stern does. And I'm, you know, also having certain podcasts almost play the archives. Sure. You know who I've, I've interviewed over my life. And I think it's just important that people are aware. We never really have talked much in any podcast. And this has to be one of the longer podcasts that I've had in a long time, to be quite honest with you. I think we might even go down in the record here. Uh, <laughs> and I don't mean this in a bad way. I mean this in an important way. Because they talk about things and people like to do their bits and their sound bites and this and that, but it's not a, as we're going into this world, which is such a crazy world today, we need to really hone down once in a while and drill down into these deeper conversations about what being green really is about and to have other akin folk in the world adding these types of products in the ways that they're selling out to the world. I think it's important to really once in a while, take a step back and say, let's really talk about some stuff. And so today's 
one small step, folks, in this discussion is really thinking about what green is. And I always jokingly say on Instagram, you know, keep it 100 or whatever, but we're keeping it green and we're keeping it real. This has been definitely a, a 100 or a buck conversation, you know, a real deep conversation into what is important when you talk about going green and also in what you're building with and that we need to talk about having products out there that we put into our homes and our lives regular basis be more non-toxic again with economics which you know and i'm trying to wrap the encapsulate at this point when you talk about economics supply and demand the more we buy these products the prices come down because people then buy more in bulk it's all about supply and demand and how much that person or that company is buying to supply their customers the more people buy these products from Andy, the more his costs come down and he can pass that savings onto you. He would do that. But you have to have products that you can buy in bulk. The only way he's going to do that is by the amount of people buying from him. So I encourage everybody to please go visit Andy's website to listen to his podcast. This year, not just involved in energy efficiency, or that hot-looking electric car that's about to hit the road or something like that. Really think about what you're living in, in your home, in your heart. And what I mean by your heart is, you know, <laughs> if you're using toxic chemicals, it's going to go to your bloodstream and go into your heart. Not just, you know, speaking from the heart like I always do, but thinking about your whole body and how you can help yourself and then also help others. Helping others is by buying that product because the more people buy the product, the costs come down, the supply goes up, and we change our supply chain. I would also assume, and I'm going out on a limb, and I'll leave with this last question too. Most of these products are made here in this country, correct? Most are, yes. But I will say this too, that sometimes, you know, you have to take a step backwards and take two steps forwards. And so sometimes something might be made in another country in order to get the healthiest yeah. materials because some here, we're not always thinking about health, but we really try to stick to materials that are easily sourced. Yeah, but think about Japan, how well they take care of their lives and their right. they care about the quality of the water they drink, they mm -hmm. care all that kind of stuff, and look how longer they live. Right. But folks, it's really time if you, you know, I don't want to say anything wrong here, so I'm trying to be as cognizant as well as poignant as possible here. But we need to start thinking about the way we breathe, what we're breathing, and how it will affect us as other diseases and things come about. So having a greener home is going to make you live a more healthier and prosperous life over your life in many different ways. Andy said before, if you use a, you know, a, yes, it's non-toxic for a more quality product like Andy's talking about. Well, guess what? It's going to last longer in your home. It all binds together. And today's you know, discussion here is about that circularity of green. They talk about all these things and people go, what the hell are they talking about? We're, we're bringing it to you. We're telling you now, today, what is essential when you think about going green? And that circularity is not just the cost savings and this and that, but how we breathe, how we live and how we function. And it, the more we can start thinking about that on a regular basis, the better off, not just me, but we're all going to be.
So thank you, Andy, for your time. I hope that you enjoy today's podcast. One small step at a time. Green living guy out. I'm out. I got stuff to do. But I'm telling you right now, one thing as I and as mentioned, I'm net zero right now. Oh, good night. Thank you all. Talk to you later. Bye. You've been listening to the Green Living Guy Show with your host, Seth Lightman. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.